What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the NCP Conversation, where biblical sermons are presented through a TED Talk-like fashion. I'm your host, William Khan, and today we're doing the episode, the breakdown of episode number 17, Do the Thing. Now, if you're new here and you're wondering what is a breakdown, well, every week here we have been doing one sermon. We're going through the book of James right now, and one breakdown of the sermon. The reason we are doing this is because this podcast is more so of a documentation of my journey progressing through what it looks like to be in full-time ministry, what it would look like to deliver a sermon each and every week, and me documenting my journey of what I am learning by writing sermons, by presenting sermons, and by reflecting on those sermons. So today... We're going to jump right into James chapter 1, 22 to 25. We're going to look at what the text says. I'm going to teach a little bit through it. I'm going to go through my framework of the truth, greater truth, and gospel truth. And then I want to end off today on a discussion on tone and meter. Because if you have been following along, Uh, you might have noticed that I speak a little bit differently in the breakdowns as I do to the sermons. And the reason is the breakdowns are a little bit more free-flowing and the sermons are a little bit more um, fixated. And that's because on the breakdowns, I don't have a script in front of me. I am doing this off the top of my head. I am rethinking about what I did in the sermon and I will go down these rabbit trails as I see fit. On the sermons, I write out a whole manuscript, I preach it word by word, and we are trying to figure out um, my style of preaching. So, anyways, that is the path we are taking today, going through the verse, teaching through it, talking about my... um, Scaffolding, truth, greater truth, gospel truth, and then finally ending up with tone and meter and what I'm learning there. So, let's jump right into James chapter chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. And I'm going to read it for you right now, and we'll dive into that. Verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer... He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So, uh, we have been going through the book of James probably over the last two months now. And uh, it's been a, a very fun journey to be doing this with you. Um, This verse is complicated, well, it was complicated to preach through, to think through, because James is a, a tougher book in the fact that it has a particular audience in mind. Uh, as I've been teaching through the book of James, uh, James was the first pastor of the first church after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And in that, uh, there was a massive church gathering 
uh, throughout Jerusalem. And what had happened, historically speaking, is that um, the Jewish religious leaders at the time said, this is not a good thing, uh, we should stop them. And so they did everything in the might, jailing people, putting people to death. And um, in that, the uh, Christians in Jerusalem scattered to uh, different nations, different countrysides, and were now living abroad with no spiritual guidance. There's no uh, church as we recognize it today with uh, a leadership, with um, rules and structures. It was just people who said, I believe in Jesus, that he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in, in my place. And because he was innocent, he rose again. I now take on his life and I have given up my own life and I now follow him. And because of that, I will go to heaven to be with God forever and ever. And, um, and so imagine yourself, you are uh, a Jew 2,000 years ago. You are hearing and believing that this man named Jesus came down to save your soul and you put yourself under the um, structure or under the leadership of this great man named James and everything's going dandy and then all of a sudden these Jewish people are out to either jail you or kill you so you run right you you you, you go on a five-day journey to some distant country and now you're saying I don't know what to do now so this is the audience that James is speaking to and so James writes this letter to the 12 tribes dispersioned uh, amongst the countryside uh, and he's saying, listen, you're a Christian now. You believe everything that Jesus taught you. You believe that um, Jesus lived, died, rose again uh, to see you go to heaven. Now, you're wondering how to live. So I'm going to write you a letter. And this is all the things that you have to do. You know, don't judge. You know, don't worry when trials come your way, testing your faith. Make sure that you listen and, and do the things that we're telling you to do. You know, don't don't become angry, be quick to listen, slow to speak, all these things, right, that have been leading up to uh, passages 22 to 25. And now, James goes into this wonderful advice to say, don't just do, oh, sorry, don't just listen to what we're telling you, go out and do it, because this is a, a, a right way of living. And the difficulty with that is that we have to get there in preaching the gospel. We have to get there. So there's all this other background information that your listeners have no idea what you're talking about. And if we preach 22 to 25, it's just three verses. It's one, two, three, four. It's five lines, you know, single-spaced in uh, Times New Roman text on a printed sheet of paper. It's very small. It's a very small amount of, of text. But, in its, but if we take it from itself, imagine how difficult it is just to say, do it, don't just listen. It sounds very legalistic, right? And, and, and this is the pushback that people give James a lot. Is They say James is just this ridiculous book of the Bible that is so legalistic. So it's like, you have to do it. You just cannot listen. And so what we have to do here is we have to figure out what this verse is saying. Then we have to clarify. We have to clarify um, some of the terminology that he uses. And we have to show that this is advice given to Christians 
not to be legalistic, but to say you believe already. You believe who Jesus is. You believe and you know. So now don't just sit on that message, right? You cannot find some grand realization and go away thinking, okay, um, I'm not going to do anything about that. When, when I think about people who have taken up causes, right? So um, in the world, such as, you know, recycling, right? And, and we see these things on Facebook where a, a bird has been cut open or a whale has been cut open and you see all the garbage inside their stomach and you say, man, this is a, a disaster because these animals are dying because there's so much uh, garbage that is in their system and it's destroying our wildlife, it's destroying our, um, our ecosystem and people have taken up the cause to say, this can't be. You have to do something about this, right? And, and they get, and and they get uh, almost ratified in the thinking of of how they begin to live their life because they see these images and it shocks them. It's, it's a realization to them. Oh my gosh, our world is dying, and so they go about to change their life. When you uh, when you think about a man who has anger problems, um, and one day you know he snaps and he hits his wife and and he looks down and there's a realization that comes over him and says I just did something that I never thought I would do Uh, I I hit somebody that I love, that I trust, who who loves me, who trusts me and and a realization comes upon them to say "Uh, I'm out of control my anger is out of control or maybe it's the drinking that leads them to that they're saying the drinking leaves them out of control you cannot come to a realization and and not allow it to affect your life moving forward, right? So um, the person who sees the garbage coming out of whale, you know, no longer litters or finds ways to reduce the footprint on the world. A person who is angry who hits their spouse finds ways to control their anger. Somebody who is drinking and gets into this awful into an awful situation of causing damage to somebody else might begin to go to AA. We hear James speaking about don't just be listeners to the word, but be doers. And a lot of people say, well, like, that seems very legalistic. But James is talking to people who have a background, who have seen what Jesus who have, uh, has done in their very lives, has transformed them. And so we have to try and find a way to put this in perspective. Right? Because James is saying, do what you believe, not listen and just walk away. And, and he is setting up for the next two verses to say, okay, you are now a religious person. You maybe weren't a religious person, and now you were. So, so because you have become a religious person, because you have become uh, a listener and you believe, now go out and do. And next week... Next time we're going to talk about what is true religion. Is there such a thing as true religion? And how do we approach that from a 2018 mindset? Because a lot of us have rejected the idea of quote-unquote religion because it's so much bad religion. And James is saying, okay, no, you have become uh, a spiritual person, a religious person. We're going to talk about that next week. Now what, like, 
now go out and do it because you you've heard and you and you believe but now you have to be a doer of that not just a hearer only and and this whole verse is based around this very small thing it says but the one who go who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and preserves being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts right here the very end he will be blessed in his doing and so there is a lot in that one verse that's verse 25 there's a lot in that one verse that needs to be uh, clarified right because he says looks into the perfect law well what's the perfect law right the law of liberty what's the law of liberty and perseveres what does it mean to persevere you know he will be blessed what does it mean to be blessed and so in my sermon, I go about um, identifying what the perfect law is. It's a two-thing, it's a two-step process. The first one is that there's a law that brings life and that brings death. And the perfect law is the law being satisfied, right? That the law is carried out and judgment is, is, is handed out. And that, the perfect law is the clarification of doing what is right and when you don't live up to that that there's punishment and that is held in the life of Jesus Jesus did everything that was right he lived by the law perfectly but we haven't see but so the law is yet unfulfilled what Jesus does is he says I will take the punishment I will fulfill the punishment for will for Bob for Joel for whoever and um, and so Jesus takes on the punishment that is due to us, and that is the perfect law. That is a law that is full, like that is fully upheld and fully satisfied. Right, the law of liberty. We who have broken the law are under. I said in my sermon, the curse of death. Death, um, just simply said, is is a curse because we as Men and women are supposed to live. We're supposed to live because God has given us life. And the opposite of life is death. And that is a curse on mankind. Um, I probably shouldn't have said that. Not because it's wrong, but because it takes a lot to unpack that, right? We are chained to death because we have broken the law. Just like when I'm caught speeding by a police officer... He gives me a ticket, right? I am chained to that ticket until I pay the ticket. Um, because we have broken the law of God, we are chained to the ticket that comes along with breaking that law, and that ticket is death. Jesus takes our ticket from us, and he pays it by his death. That's an incredible uh, illustration that shows that we were chained to this thing that we could not pay. Well, we could, but we would be far from God. We would be away from God because we have experienced the curse of death. So, instead of now being chained to death, Jesus takes that from us and we are free from the punishment of the law. So that's the law of freedom. Perfect law, two-step process, a law that needs to be upheld and a law that needs to be satisfied, the law of liberty. We were given, we were chained to the law because that's what the law requires of us and Jesus takes us from that and now we are free from that law 
and perseveres, right? Somebody who, um, I think I stated the NIV, continues to do this, right? And we just put it in more simplified terms. Blessed, I will go into this whole thing about being happy and, and being holistic and looking at the whole person and, and, no, and having integrity, right? The idea of blessedness and the idea of happy and how happy and blessed are not the same thing and, and how the difference between how James and his readers would be interpreting that word and how we interpret that word as an emotional thing in 2018 in North America. So there's a lot of things that we need to clarify in this last verse because of the language that was being used at that time and how that refers to us. Again, it takes a lot of time to get there for the listener. And so I'm thinking, how do I do this? How do I bring this whole thing and translate it into today's world? And so we go into our scaffolding. And the scaffolding I use is to identify a truth, to identify a greater truth, and to identify a gospel truth. And so the truth I come away from is that James is writing this because there are people who are just listeners and not doers, right? They come against these, this fantastic realization and they say, oh, that's, that's mind-blowing, and then they walk away and they don't do anything about that. And so James is saying, listen, you can't just listen to this and, and then walk away. You have to listen, and if it's actually grabbed a hold of you, if it's actually blown your mind, if it's actually completely revolutionized your whole being, you got to do something about that. And, and, and again, he's talking to people who have actually accepted that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. And so... The truth I get from that is, okay, people are not doing what they know to be true. That's interesting. That's, that's an interesting concept because we experience that today, right? We don't know, sorry, we don't do what we should do. And, and we've all experienced this, right? Some of us because we didn't want to do it. Some of us because we didn't know how to do it. I, and... Some of us because we were just naive, right? There's lots of reasons why we don't do what we should do, right? Lack of knowledge, lack of a lot of things. Usually it falls into two categories, right? My professor says that people don't change because they either don't know how to or they don't want to. People don't change because they don't know how to or they don't want to. And, and so I go into saying we don't do what we should do because we don't know how to or we don't want to. And I just kind of label those two categories, right? And this is the truth of the world we live in. This is what my professor would say is a hero's journey, right? Where you go along, you're thinking your life is great. And I want to point out to you, hey, guess what? There's things you should be doing, but you don't do, right? And you have to really go into your own psyche. You have to go back into your life and say, is this true? And you can pick out events in your own life where you, you have this view of yourself. It's kind of this neutral, kind of moderately happy view of your life. And when you begin to realize, oh, 
I don't do what I should do, you, you, go, you go into an unhappy place, right? Because you're saying, why didn't I do what I should have done, right? And, and, and you begin to see your life more realistically. The Bible points out to your life, it says your life is a disaster sometimes. And people push against it's like, no, my life is fine. No, your life is a disaster sometimes. Sometimes your life needs fixing. Your life needs cleaning up. And, and, and you have to see it for what it really is. You talk to somebody who goes through, um, you know, alcohol abuse or drug abuse. And when they begin to try and clean themselves up, they think, okay, no, I, 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 I can't do the hard drugs. I can't do the hard alcohol that got me in trouble to begin with, right? I can't do the shots. I can't do the heroin. I can't do the cocaine. I'm going to stay away from all that stuff. But, you know, I was like, maybe, maybe a beer once in a while. Maybe some, you know, um, weed once in a while. I can do that. And, and they began to go down this journey of, of bettering themselves. But, but they do that and then they say, oh, I can handle this. Maybe I can go back. And handle more, right? And what they begin to realize over time is that they can't even indulge a little bit. Right? Maybe they are at it. They can't even indulge a little bit. So they say, man, like, okay, I can't even drink. I can't smoke weed. I can't, I can't do any hard drugs. Maybe I have to stay away from even um, medicinal, over-the-counter drugs. Because that's going to lead them to, to something more terrible. Because the have an addictive personality or however you want to come across that and they think okay like this is this is dangerous and they have a more realistic view of themselves unfortunately the more realistic view of themselves is a lower view of themselves and and that's hard for people to handle that's hard to think i do to just have go about life and think i do things moderately well and then can be challenged on something you thought you could do moderately well and to realize you don't do that well at all. You do that poorly. You are awful at that. <laughs> and, and so you have a more realistic view of yourself, but you have a way worse view of yourself, right? See, when you learn how to, you, you realize you're really not good at it. And then the question is, do you want to get better, right? Because you now know, you now have a realistic picture of where you're beginning. And maybe you do know the path forward. And maybe you look at that hill and you think, man, that's a climb. That's, a, that's, that's Mount Everest. That's a beast. Uh, you, know, whew, you know, going. People begin this journey thinking, man, going a day without drinking sounds awful. Then they realize, I have to go 30 days. I have to go a month. I have to go a year. I have to go 300 days. I have to go 10 years. I have to go 3,000 days. 3,500 days, like. And, and they begin to just see the climb that's before them. And, and they think, man, like, that's a hard climb. I don't know if I want to do that. I'm, I'm happy down here. Maybe, yeah, my life is awful, but at least it's my awfulness. Right? And, 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 and so we don't do what we should do because we, we either don't know how to. We don't have a realistic picture of where we're getting from. We don't know the path forward up that hill. Or maybe we don't want to climb that hill. Right? So that's the truth, is we don't do what we should do. And, and here in James, James is saying, that's, you can't do that. You can't stay here. 
You have to actually climb. You have to do what you should do. Because if you do what you should do, if you do the, the, the healthy things, you will be blessed. You will be happy. You will be better off for it. Right? That's what, this, that's what James is saying here. He said, listen, like, God doesn't care if you're at the top of the mountain overcoming your depression, your anxiety, your addictions, your, your, um, your bad habits. Because he's saying that God accepts everyone. Okay, this is where we make the difference between legalism and, and, and healthiness. Right? Jesus looks at the person at the bottom of the mountain and says, come be with me. Right? And, and you are accepted as a son or daughter if you are at the very bottom of the mountain or the very top of the mountain. The problem is that James is saying, listen, like, God is asking you to do some things not because he requires that of you, to accept you to heaven just because your life today is going to be easier. Your life today is going to be blessed if you can do some of these things. And again, it's not because we want you to do these things because you're saved. It's because you have been accepted into heaven. God, you have now a direct relationship, a direct communication line to God. Use it. And, and when he tells you things, don't just be listeners, but be doers. Because it's a good thing for you. Because you will be blessed. Because if you do what you should do, if you do the happy things, the healthy things you should do, you would be blessed. You would be happier. You would be overall better off. Right? And, and, and so that's moving from the truth that we don't do what we should do to a greater truth, if we did do those things, we would be happy, right? And this is the start of the healer's journey where you recognize you don't do what you should do and then you begin the upswing by saying, if you actually did what you should do, you would be happy. If you did the healthy things, you would be happy. This is not a legalistic idea. This is just, you've been saved. You have time here left on earth. Now what you going to do? And, and the gospel truth is if you did the healthy thing for you, the healthiest, I'm using healthiest because I've always gone down this path of healthy. If you did the healthiest thing for you, you would truly be blessed. You would be, you would be way better off. What's the healthiest thing for you to do? Obey and follow Jesus, right? And this is a gospel truth is that Jesus came to give his life for you, to, to fulfill the perfect law, to give you the law of liberty that you are no longer chained to the sentencing of the law, but you are freed from it so that the law is pushed away and you can see God, right? There's God and he hands down the law and, and then you're under the law, but Jesus fulfills the law and Jesus removes that law between you and God, right? And, <laughs> Because he's paid for it through his blood. God sees, when he sees you, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he sees you and he doesn't look at your mistakes and, and holds you accountable for them. He sees you, he sees your mistakes have been covered by Jesus. Because Jesus took them for you. And you are now pure in the sight of God. And, and God is saying, that's amazing. And, 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 and yet, we're down at the bottom of the mountain 
with all the scraps and all the the things that are not really great for us, if we stay down there with the bottle, if we stay down there with the drugs, if we stay down there with the anger, the pride, the gluttony, if we stay down there with the vanity, if we stay down there, life is just hot. Like life is life in the shadow of the mountain is a difficult place to be. God says, don't don't stay there. Don't say that. You see my son, he, he's going to show you the way to climb up the mountain. Climb with him because it's better up there for you. It's better that you get rid of your addiction to drugs, your addiction to alcohol, your addiction to anger, your addiction to pornography. It's better for you. Do obey Jesus. Not so it saves you, but because it's better for you. Because you will be blessed. I, I don't have much time left. I need to move on. The best thing you can do, right? If you, if you don't, we don't do what we should do. Because we don't know how to, or we don't know what to. Or we don't want to. But if we did do what we should do, we would be happy. And this is a call to do what you should do. And the one thing... There's one thing that we need to leave you with is you should obey Jesus because that is the healthiest thing for you. That is the best thing for you. That is the greatest thing for you. That's the gospel truth. That, yes, I am painting a really dark picture possibly for you if you have not started this journey and you're thinking, I don't do what I should do. And you have to get a realistic view of who you are. And then, and then you have to start that climb, right? And the best way, the only way to start that climb is to trust, sorry, not, it's not the only way, but, but the most freest way, the law of liberty, is to obey and follow Jesus. And work that out in community. How does that actually play out? James doesn't give his disciples, this is timeless truth. This is not uh, t- um, exact time truth. I, James doesn't know how to do it for somebody in North America 2018. He just says, you gotta, you gotta do. You gotta obey. You gotta follow Jesus when he asks you to do something. When he leads you somewhere, do it because you'll be blessed. And that's how we go through the scaffolding because, and how we transport this timeless truth into today, 2018. The, I'm going to just go and do a quick two-minute section here on tone and meter. Um, sometimes my wife listens to these podcasts, and I appreciate her for doing so. And she will uh, say, when I'm on the phone with her, sometimes I'm with her and and I'm happy-go-lucky, and I speak to her very freely, and and sometimes... And, and most of those times, I'm by myself. And sometimes when I'm around other people, I put on a very serious face. I put on, a, she calls it business will face. Business will tone and tenor. And I want to do my best at communicating the truths of the Bible, the truths of God to you. And so I write out my sermons word by word. And lately, I've been reading my sermons word forward. And the reason that is, is because sometimes I get passionate and I don't regulate my speech. And my speech can get a little bit blurred, a little bit murky, a little bit in, unintelligible 
as in you don't understand what I'm saying. And when I read it word for word, sometimes it can come off as business will. It's very, a little bit more monotone, a little bit less of myself. And so uh, any of you who are looking to preach, any of you who are looking to public speak, you have to know your stuff, right? Know your stuff first and foremost. And, and I'm a little bit hesitant, not because I don't know, but because sometimes I don't communicate rightly. Sometimes I say sentences that should not be said because they're not gospel-laden, because they're not fully true in the sense that they are confusing or they are um, not true. <laughs> just plain and simple, it's just not true. So I want to give you true statements. I want to give you clear statements. And sometimes I don't know how to do that. And so I worry a little bit because I want to judge my speech the most. I want to criticize my speech the most because I am the one who is going to be held responsible for my own words. I don't want you taking away something that is untrue. I don't want you grasping on to some... Because sometimes you listen to a speaker and it all kind of fades out and there's a couple lines that you remember that speech and you say, oh, that was interesting. I don't want you to grasp onto one of my unclear lines or an untrue line and say, oh, that's interesting and, and, and begin to form your life around something that's untrue. I want to give every line of my sermon truth. And so I read it word for word and you can hear it. You can hear it in my tone. I speak a little differently. And so, as I am documenting this journey, I know I have probably come across this business well in my last couple of sermons. And I don't want to do that. I'm not sure how to get past that while reading. So maybe I will figure out how to better regulate my tone or, or to know my sermon better or to go idea by idea, not word for word and better know my material. I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to do this moving forward. But I, I need to better formulate my ideas, better formulate my speech while showing you all the same passion that I have for this material. I'm just starting this, guys. I probably preached less than 20 messages in my entire life and I'm, I'm getting there but it's going to take a long time I've said this before I'm going to say it again it's going to take me a long time and um, and this is practice for me this is one step at a time getting better getting better getting better and so thank you for your patience with me thank you for coming along with this documenting journey with me no I'm, I'm not I'm not the wise man on the hill yet maybe I'll never be but I want to get better I want to continue to reflect on this journey so that, you know, in 20 years, I am a great speaker. I can give the truth to God. And, you know, somebody, we got to start somewhere. We all got to start somewhere. And so this is where I'm starting from. So I appreciate the time you've taken to listen to me. I appreciate... Um, 
you coming along for the journey. I will look back on these and maybe I'll cringe. I'll look back on these and maybe I'll erase them all. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing yet. All I know is that I have to start somewhere and I'm starting with you. And so to each and every one of you, I appreciate the time you've taken to listen. I appreciate um, you listening to my thoughts on this, me getting more clarity even for myself on how to preach, on how to get better. And, and I look forward to talking to you more in a couple of days. So it's been a little bit of a long one. May, you, may God bless you. <laughs> may God bless you so much today and forever. I'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. My name's been William Khan. Thank you. I'll see you in a bit.